Blog Talk Radio. April 29, 2015, April 292015, the other day, I read an article about luck, about luck. It said there's four kinds of luck. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't agree with everything. I never agree with everything, but I found it interesting. So I rewrote it to suit myself, and I'm going to tell you about it now. What's the value of this? You figure it out, okay? Luck, I'll define it first, is something that happens unpredictably. It's not planned. But you can divide it, according to the article, into four different types. First of all, you have pure luck. That's luck you don't have to do anything to get. It just falls in your lap. One day you get a letter, a distant cousin has died, and you inherit her fortune. That is pure luck. Next comes action luck. It's still unpredictable. You're not guaranteed getting anything good, but you make it more likely by doing something yourself. For instance, you cultivate a relationship with a a wealthy old relative who doesn't have any kids. There's no guarantee that she's going to leave you everything, but you increase the odds by doing so. Or you need some business, so you make a lot of cold calls. There's no guarantee you're going to get any orders, but you figure that after 100 calls, maybe you might. So now you got pure luck, action luck. The next one is knowledge luck. That's luck that depends on special knowledge. You have some information, or actually you have some knowledge. So if information happens to come your way just by chance, you can understand its value. For instance, someone refers a friend to you. person has fantastic experience. They've been an expat in Ireland or something. They're moving back to the USA, and you know a company that could use that guy. If you didn't have expertise in that industry, you wouldn't be able to capitalize on that good fortune. Finally, ability luck. That's luck that depends on your ability to do something. You not only have to have the knowledge to recognize something good that falls in your lap, you have to be able to do something about it. For instance, if you get a good stock tip, you have to be able to raise the money to invest in it. The greatest thing in the world might come your way, but without the knowledge and ability to take advantage of it, you wouldn't be very lucky. Now, that's it. Today's guest. He just dropped in my lap. You know why? Because I post on Twitter. That is action luck, right? And if I'm really lucky, I'll be able to recognize his virtues. That's knowledge luck. And I'll know what to do with them. Ability luck on Jerry Jerry. What show is this? Jerry's not here. Jerry's not here, and I forgot to post a shout. Uh, everybody, just hold on a second, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna play it again. The recruiting animal. Show. 
Jerry. He doesn't like me to say he's not here. He doesn't like me to say he's out fishing. You know, he wants his uh, clients to think he's always hard at work, but he's out on Lake Erie, okay? I have a, a bit of a problem. I finally got a mic or a headset with a mic that comes right in front of my mouth. It gives a very good sound. I've listened in the recordings. I'm very happy. But it's funny on my ears. The, the It's so big and clunky that I feel like someone's got a pillow over my head. I can't really hear myself. So I'm going to stop fetching and I'll introduce the guest since I can't fight with Jerry right off. Okay. The guest told me he'd fight with me. His name is John. I don't know how you say it. Is it McAfee? You got it. That's it. McAfee. McAfee. Yep, McAfee. But spelled Just like the little... software virus. Yeah. Okay. Is that? But that guy's kind of shady, right? He's a mental. Well, you know, I, like I, I spent I spent a little bit of time in Belize. It's okay. Oh, okay. Okay. But isn't he yeah, arrested or different... for murder? Or... He's, oh, I don't he's know. Trouble. Okay, we'll move on. We're going to sing. Did, yeah, moving on. Did you practice the song? Hey, I'm ready. Did you practice Bring the it. song? Okay. I'll count I to did. three. I got it. We're going to do it. You just we're going to let it burn, burn, burn four times. Okay. One. All right. Two. Three. We're going to let it burn, 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 burn. We're going to let it burn, 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 burn. We're going to let it burn, 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 burn. Come on. We're not talking about we got to work on our timing. We're that really sucks. We're going to let it burn, 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 burn. We're going to let it burn, burn, burn. Come on. Burn. You know, your partner's better. Sorry. Yeah, well, that's what he says. Okay, okay, okay. So, Jeff, as I, I, I do want to be a rock star. That would be that. You know, I've I've got the the dream jobs. One yeah. is I want to be a professional driver, closed course. Anytime you see that on those TV ads, that's what I want to do there. And then okay. the other one is the rock star, but I can't sing. So, yeah. okay. So what? Uh, they can't sing most of them either. Okay. So last week we had Jeff Chapnick from Mac Recruiters. This week we have his yeah. partner. I kind of like that back to back. Mac M A C has a uh, hundred recruiters. And Mac M A C stands for the the names of the other guys' kids. <laughs> yeah. The Matthew, Amanda, Austin, and Chanel. You bet. Yeah, they. Uh, she's a pretty girl. I, I she's like a cheerleader or something. I saw her picture online. Yeah, um, she is. And uh, anyway, so his business was going. You were. Uh, he had his own recruiting business. You had your recruiting business. And you decided to merge. So now you got a hundred people, but you're a little different from him. You started recruiting right out of college. Am I right? Yes. And uh, like, what did you know? <laughs> Not a lot. Okay. Um, yeah. Good it, go ahead. Were you good? Uh, no, I, I think. Well, that's the great thing about recruiting. You're on the telephone. Uh, the person that you're talking to, they don't know how old you are. And if you communicate well, if you know when to be quiet and listen and ask good questions and are okay sounding stupid every once in a while, uh, you can figure it out pretty quickly if you're coachable. Uh, so then it's just you work hard and you get better. Okay. Your, your buddy had a fall-off early on. Have you ever had a fall-off? Yes. Oh, oh, can you tell us about it? Uh, Have you, what's your most recent fall-off? Last year? Ten years ago? Um, it's probably been, it's probably been three years that I've actually been on a desk. Uh, so that's, that's, uh, I'll talk about the, the most recent fall off of someone in our office. Uh, they're going no, no, from I'm Atlanta. Hear, but, to, okay. Go ahead. Talk about whatever fall off you want. Yeah, to no, I mean, go they're, ahead. they're going to, they're going from Atlanta to New York. Uh, uh-huh. they got a big raise going to New York and then they, uh, you know, they, they then look at the, the cost of living and, uh, all of those kind of things. And we talked about that ahead of time, but it became a bigger issue. 
uh, as it came time to actually resign. And then when they got the counteroffer uh, to stay, uh, it was easier to stay. So, so the, those you, are painful experiences. And no, no, no. Hold on, uh, hold on. I don't yeah. want your sermon. I want to know what did what did your staff member do wrong? Um, tell yourself the truth. So when you look at a candidate, and I'm making up these numbers, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but you know, if a hundred thousand dollars in Atlanta costs, you know, is the same as two hundred thousand in uh, New York, uh, and your opportunity is going to get them to two hundred and ten. Uh, in New York, maybe, uh, then, you know, tell yourself the truth that that candidate, even though the client may want them and the candidate says that they want them, is it really going to cross the line? And uh-huh. that's where you got to have the backup candidates. Uh-huh. Well, do you send in, like, do you send in three candidates at a time, or do you send in any good ones as they come up? Um, I, I think the rule of threes is awesome. Rule of threes is for every job order you've got, you need to have three of your candidates interviewing, engaged in, in the process. Uh, and for every candidate that you've got interviewing, uh, unless you've got a, a, a client with a right of first refusal, uh, meaning you can't take them someplace else, if you've got a candidate interviewing one place, have them interviewing in three places. Yeah, okay. You know what? I, did, I know you specialized uh, in the oil and gas business. I don't know if you're still working it these days. Are you? Yeah, as a company, we are, yes. Okay. No, you, well, you yourself, were, well, that was one of your areas of expertise. I, I listened to your interview with Brandon DeShaw. I did some work in that area as well. I was looking for okay. petroleum engineers. They were mm-hmm. really hard to find. They were in Texas, and we had to bring them to the Marcellus Basin near Pittsburgh. Yep. I, I yep. Was, that was really – That's a hard sell. Yeah. Okay. So I can't remember what I was going to ask. I can't remember what I was going to ask you about that. Anyway, is it weird with like, Gary not uh, busting in? You don't have to fight yeah, off Gary. I, I need someone hurting me, uh, stabbing me in the back. But I was going to ask you a question that had to do with the oil and gas industry. But let me ask. It sounds like most falloffs happen because of relocation. Am I right? Um, no, I think uh, I think counter offers are happening more and more. Uh, I think uh-huh. clients, and, and one of the questions that you had uh, tossed out is is uh, about what's the cost of uh, cost of turnover and things like that. I know I, I posted a recent article on that, yeah. but uh, uh, you know clients are figuring out that it's going to cost me money if this person leaves. So let me go ahead and pay them an extra twenty grand or thirty grand or fifty grand, uh, and, and make sure that they leave on my timing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Okay. So I, I think the stats are the same. Uh, if you accept a counteroffer, it's 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 unlikely that within a year you're still there. Why? No, I just think that there's a there's a trust issue. There's a you know you've gone to the dark side and and I've bought you. Uh, there's the well, wait a minute. Why am I worth fifty thousand dollars now when I wasn't yesterday? Uh, so the it's candidate why. It's doesn't obvious trust. Why? Okay, why is that? Because you're on the market. You're, you've 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 made a move. Here's the thing. I read an article by a guy who claimed that the biggest deal to be a good recruiter is sincerity, being honest. And he said that you have to be honest with your candidates. Counteroffers are not bad things. It All it means is that they really like you. They really value you. And it doesn't mean they're going to dump you as soon as they can. They need you. They're not going to dump you. It's situation dependent. It's it's let, like let guess him ask that, you know. Alexandra Al- Alejandro. <laughs> let the guy ask. He's got first right. Then I'll come back to you. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
Uh, no, I think uh, I agree with Alejandro to a degree. I think that uh, uh, the counteroffer conversation, yes, you can tell the candidate, hey, this can be a benefit to you. Uh, but my question is, is, is it better to, in the beginning of, a, of my first conversation with him, it's like, hey, you're interested in having one, two, and three at your next opportunity. Have you had that conversation with your boss, and can you create that situation that you're attracted to with your current location? And that's the, can you work it out? Uh, and here's how you have that conversation. Go have that conversation. But if that doesn't go well, here's another opportunity that I think has the one, two, three that you're looking for that you don't have today. Hey, any negotiation, I won't drag this out. Any negotiation sure. depends on having the other guy over a barrel. And until he's got a job or uh, offer, he doesn't have his old boss over a barrel. Alejandro, now you. I disagree that negotiation is solely predicated on a, a, a imbalance of power. But the the point that uh, was being made about, you know, you got to structure the deal about more than just the money, right? You got you got to have something to offer because that's why counters don't work out. It's because the problems that were there to begin with are not going to go away. That's why not? Why not? It, why it, not? It's not because you're. You know, you want to talk about culture, you want to talk about the makeup of teams and everything else. That's the way that that's the company. You can't shift everything. Anybody in the company want to, to argue suit. against these guys? There's a ton of people here. Does anybody believe that if you're unsatisfied at work, the problems uh, can't be solved? Because I know John also has articles where he's given pep talks about if you don't like your job, here's how you manage to stay there. You can work it out, don't you, John? I say that it's possible to work it out. It doesn't mean that it will happen. Okay. Okay. What was I going to ask? And if it had worked itself out, that person wouldn't be looking anymore. Right. Yeah. Once he's got the boss, once he's got the power, like Alejandro said, then he can call some of the shots. Hey, you want to keep me? This is what we got to do. Okay? Okay. Let's move on. John says, he says, he abs. I abs. I'll quote you. I absolutely believe that my gift is being a connector okay what makes you say that um it's just how i do life uh what is that you know you uh, i go to parties and i'm I'm talking to somebody at a party and and it, it just as a recruiter it always goes to what do you do and 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 really my thought process as i'm having that conversation is do i know anybody that can help them or do i know anybody that this person can help yeah, and then and as the connector, know? it's no, not at all. So how does that make but you I a know, gifted I, connector? I have the opportunity that I can help somebody. Well, the connector is is if I can help them, it's it's the follow up and follow through of hey, you need to talk to this person because you guys I think can help each other in this way, and then mm-hmm. here's the follow up email so, that says so being a natural you know, connector just means like you want to help people, but you can't always. Just you're a nice person. Is that all it means? Uh, that's yes. Yeah, uh, that's not. That's, uh, is, this, is this not like stirring up the radio? Is this not stirring up the radio show enough? Well, you're not. I'm a connector. I just want to be nice to people. If you're, a, if I thought you were going to say, "Hey, man, I can help people like nobody else." Someone talks to me at a party. I'll get them a job the next day. 
that's a guy you you got to be able to do it. You can't just have the inspiration like I want to do yeah, it. Yeah, but if that's where your your natural inclination is, wherever you put your attention, that's what grows, right? Okay, so if you're thinking about stuff, doing that okay. to begin, it's the okay. truth. Look, if got, that's got, what I'm focusing on, that's what's going to happen. You were a recruiter as soon as you got out of school. What did you not know that you had to learn in the first year? Because you thought you were pretty good right from the start. How long did it take to make your first placement? Uh, five months, I think. Five months. Same as the other guy, Jeff. Okay, why did it take so long? Um, <laughs> uh, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, and I think that that's the, the deal. As you become more and more effective over time, one of the questions you've got is, when do I think I got good? I was probably good. And I'll define good in a second, but I was probably good three years into being a recruiter. So that's back in 90, that's uh, 96, I guess. Yeah. Uh, good, I'm going to define that as uh, the client and the candidate value my opinion. Okay, okay you can make money. How do you know they did value? How do you know? How do you know? Look, Steve Levy and I, cutting me up. Okay, and what do you mean they value your opinion? Did they not value your opinion before? How did you know they didn't value your opinion? Um, I think it's in the beginning you go and you introduce a candidate to a client and say, hey, client, I think this candidate is someone you should talk to, and then yeah. they don't talk to him. Uh-huh. Why not? Okay, and then, there, and then there's the question of, okay, well, why didn't you talk to him? Well, they're making too much money or they're not making enough money or they uh, don't have the, the right experience, and that's where you learn the questions of why a candidate is either going to fit or not fit. Okay. So where was your mistake at that time? I want to see where recruiters make mistakes. Anybody, listen, if you don't like these questions today, I'm open. Come just shout, start shouting better questions, okay? But where do recruiters make mistakes? Were you presenting good people, but you didn't know how to sell it to the, uh, to the client? Or were you not really presenting the right people because you didn't know how to interview or, or select the right person? You had no industry knowledge. You were ignorant. Is that the problem? Um, I think that you don't submit enough candidates that are quality, and I think a lot of people go into the market right now, today especially, hey, I want to get as many quick candidates as I can, and the first three that you know, are above the hiring line, I'm going to submit those. I would say that as a recruiter and the ridiculous fees that we get paid high, uh, yeah. the value is finding that candidate and placing that candidate that woke up this morning not looking for a job, not wanting to hear from a recruiter. Yeah. Okay. That's but where the value is, in my opinion. What, I remembered what I remembered, okay? Okay. In the oil and gas business, I was looking for petroleum engineers, and mm. uh, you know what? They were hard to find. They didn't graduate a lot of them for a lot of years. And so how can you supply three of those when there's not a lot in the market? You're lucky to get one, and as soon as you get one, you want to present them to the, to the client. Am I right or wrong about that? No, I think absolutely you're right. If you okay. if you can only find one, you submit that one. I'd like to have three, but if there's only one to find, based on the the requirements of the client and what the client is willing to pay, all of those factors that go into saying here's a submittable candidate. Submittable candidate is someone that's interested, qualified, and hireable. Uh huh. The guy lives in Texas. He doesn't want to move to Pennsylvania. That's not someone I can submit to Pennsylvania. Right. The guy says, I, you know, I, I, I'd love the job, but I'm in Texas and I can't relocate. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. You don't have to tell me three times, okay? Now, look, Sorry. do you think the recruiter has to be able to tell the candidate why it will be a good move for her career? Because obviously, when you got out of a high school or university and you became a recruiter, uh, you didn't know why it would be a good move for her career, did you? No. So do you so, think a recruiter so you, 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 has you, you to be put able people, to do it? You put, 
I'm sorry, say that again. Does a recruit? You know what? I have to confess. I I woke up at three in the morning and I didn't get back to sleep. That's why I'm forgetting what I'm saying. So I'm going to tell you again. Maybe I'm not expressing myself well. Did you do you think that a good recruiter has to be able to tell the candidate why this job is going to be a good move for her career? I think it's helpful. Yes. Helpful, yes. Uh, now, Does it, is it necessary? Because it takes a lot of uh, uh, knowledge of a profession and the market to be able to tell someone what they should do. I think that if, if there's 10 deals that are out there, 20% are going to happen no matter how good or bad I am. 20% are going to happen or are not going to happen no matter how good I am. It's the 60% that's in the middle that that knowledge that you gain that gives you the ability to influence the outcome. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, but you didn't so, answer the question. Too bad. Maybe you don't like that one. I'll move. No, I'll no. Move. I mean, the, 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 the question is, is uh, uh, if I so, have knowledge, am I going to be better? Yes, I'm going to yeah. be better. But that doesn't okay. mean that I can't make placements okay. through volume. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But is it generally the case that a good recruiter can tell the candidate, yes, you should make this move? Telling the candidate I don't think is ever going to be helpful. I think sharing with them, hey, here's what you said in the beginning when we first talked, and you said this is what I want. Okay. When you point them back to you said you wanted these things, here's how I think this opportunity gives you what you said you wanted. Okay, that's kind of like a, a psychological counselor. You do the active listening and you just play it back to them. Is there any time when the uh, recruiter is actually a, uh, you know, a, a career professional and can say, look, I know your industry – you're making a mistake if you don't take this job. I think that, yes, you can say that, but you better be right. Okay. Okay. Let's move on. Anybody else? There's tons of people. Anybody else want to ask a question? Anybody want to ask a question? I never let anybody else talk, I hear. Anybody else want to talk? No. Okay. We'll move Crickets. on. Me okay. and you, animal. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Uh, uh, when you were the owner of a, a Bassman K franchise, your website says that you were consistently producing revenues over a million dollars annually. Was that you or your team? Uh, both. Uh, and I'll explain it this way. You know, yes, I was an owner of K Bassman uh, International, KBIC. At the time, we were the largest franchise of all of the MRI franchises. Um, I, was about, I was one of about 20 owners, uh, Bob Bassman and Jeff K. Uh, they were the majority owners and therefore had control. Uh, yes, I had an ownership percentage. Uh, uh-huh. So there's there's answer in that question. Consistently producing over a million dollars. Yeah, I was doing that uh, for On myself. It was it was typically me and a team, and the team was probably four to six people. It, it varied over the years. Uh, as a producer, uh, as a solo producer with me and a, a part-time uh, researcher working with me, uh, my best years were probably seven fifty. Uh, but okay, then I part-time built teams. Part-time researcher? What, is, what does that mean exactly? 30 hours a week is what she worked. Uh-huh. And what did and she do? And all she did is she, she sourced candidates for the positions that I, uh, I, that I went and got. Uh-huh. Now, I heard you. I listened to your other interview. You said everybody in your business pretty well is on LinkedIn. Is that right? Um. I would encourage that. I, I don't know that that's uh, uh, completely followed through with everybody. But they should uh-huh. be. 
Okay. No, I actually, a, you, you said amazing, almost everybody is there, resource. and the people who aren't there, you get by refer- referrals from people who you talk to via LinkedIn. So you kind of said to, to Brandon that LinkedIn is the only sourcing tool you need. Am I right about that? I think that's too strong of a statement. Well, too bad I didn't copy that t- interview and play it back yet, but I listened this morning, so that's what you said. So All right. Well, what are your other sources? Sorry, uh, I no, I, focused. I, I, I told you I'm sleepy. What, okay, what so fine. Go, I go, I, yes, I would, I would go first to LinkedIn. I'm going to find a candidate on LinkedIn, and then I'm going to talk to that candidate in their company, and I'm going to ask questions like, hey, you're one of how many? Uh, or you're ranked they're going to tell you? you know, they're going to tell you? And they're going to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm ranked number four. Okay, great. Uh, so who's number one? What is it that they do? And I try and gain, uh-huh. gain names that way. Uh, so you're, one, you're number four. How many are on the team? Well, there's ten yeah. of us. Okay. Yeah. Well, the next call, I'm going to call in and talk to somebody else that may be one of those ten, and I'm going to mm-hmm. try and find out who's number six, and then you find uh-huh. out who's number two. And this uh-huh. is the work that goes into making a successful recruiter. It's not mm-hmm. easy. Uh, it's not complicated, but you just got to call back and you try and build out the list. And, and over time, you're going to figure out who the 10 are. Mm-hmm. That's when you have the real power, in my opinion. Okay. Well, actually, you just got to call Maureen Sheriff, and she'll tell you in five minutes. Um, the team structure, that interests me. So it was just you and the researcher. And uh, who? so what were you doing? Were you doing business development and uh, recruiting or just you know, one or the other, just the recruiting. Uh, I, 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 I talk about it this way. There's three things that we do as recruiters. You've got uh-huh. marketing to get clients, recruiting to get candidates, and then somebody's running the deal. Now, a solo desk recruiter is having to do all three of those. Yeah. As you build a team, uh, so in that scenario, when I was doing 750 with my partner, Stacy, I was doing all the business development, and I was running all of the deals. Stacy uh-huh. would recruit the candidates and submit, a, you know, a candidate to me saying, this candidate's interested. I would take it from there confirm hey candidate this is the opportunity is that what you heard from stacy yes here's the understanding that i've got about your background and then i put them together and i drive the the interviewing process and manage the egos and expectations of the clients and the candidates until the job gets filled okay so you were really doing you were really doing i just want to straighten this you're really doing business development and client uh client relationship she was doing the recruiting because she actually did the initial screen she just didn't do name generation is that right that's correct Okay, so is that is that a, is that a good or is it better to actually have three people, one doing the, the no. business development and the, the ongoing uh, management of the uh, client relationship, yeah. one doing just name gen and the other doing the recruiting? Um, uh, every situation is going to be different. The the people and the personnel and their talents and their interest, the type of work that they want to do. Stacy, my partner, she absolutely could have done business development. She could have run deals. She didn't want to. Uh huh. She wanted to go to work find the candidates, cut the ball, and be done. She didn't want to deal with stuff at night. She didn't want to, she didn't want to have any of those kind of conversations, which was fine. Uh-huh. Uh, but some te- some, you know, as, you, as you look at building teams, and as we've got a bunch of recruiters in a bunch of different scenarios, um, it depends on what the people want to do, the type of activity that excites them in their career. I only want to be a recruiter, or I'm only good enough to be a recruiter today, but I want to work towards being able to manage clients and security have you ever job had any orders dry and things spells? like that. Have you ever had any dry yes. spells? What's the longest yeah. one? What's the longest uh, one? <laughs> I had two W2s north of 250 one year. Uh, so one year, the next year was the same deal. It was, like, it was 250 one year, 252 another year. The next year it was 24. 
that sucked. Unbelievable. Okay? And, yeah, and it's, it's one of those things that uh, uh, the market that you're in, we talk about market mastery, and, and I think you're more effective if you're doing one thing. That was real estate. I was doing real estate hard and heavy, and then uh-huh. the market blew up and it went to zero. Uh-huh. So I had to so reboot and go do something else. And how, how hard is that to switch industries? What's market mastery? Well, you gave me a, some, a question for you. What's market uh, mastery? Mar- market mastery at the time, you know, if I'm doing real estate and I'm working with real estate investment firms and I'm placing acquisition, asset management, property management people in Dallas uh-huh. or in Houston, uh, and those are the only people that I'm talking to, it yeah. doesn't take me very long to be very effective because I know people. Okay. If I'm placing a CFO at a hospital today, uh, a, a chief operating officer at a real estate company tomorrow, an oil and gas engineer in Pennsylvania the next day, that's hard. Market mastery is you're doing the same thing over and over and over, and those conversations are going to lead you to more quickly being in a position to influence what happens. Uh, so you so, don't endorse the idea of a, a generalist recruiter, really. A niche recruiter is the way to go to make big money. Is that right? Uh, I, I think that you can absolutely make money as a generalist, uh, and I think that that's fine. That's just not how I did it. Uh huh. How could you answer that when you just told me a second ago that you want to have market mastery? A generalist doesn't have market mastery. They know the general rules of made doing a search, and they say, I can do any search for you. It doesn't matter. You're saying it's really good to know tons of people in the business before the search even starts, right? Okay. Uh, all right, yeah. If you're asking okay. me a question, I would say that it's easier, in my opinion, to be effective okay. as a market master. Okay. Anybody got a question for John McAfee? Before I proceed, I've got tons of questions. Are you driving the agency that way? Are you, you've got specific verticals and you design teams with market mastery in mind? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And yes, I would say that we do drive teams with market mastery in mind. Uh, our investment banking practice, uh, our IT practice, our healthcare practice, I think that it's good for them to focus in those areas. It doesn't mean that there's not overlap. We have supply chain uh, that goes to all industries. Uh, so that's where we have, you know, we do sp- internal splits and things like that because if I'm a hospital person and I'm placing hospital CFOs and hospital revenue cycle and people like that, and then I've got a hospital system that's got a VP of supply chain, that's not to say that I can't do it. And it's not to say that I won't work on it, but it also makes sense for me to bring in someone from the supply chain practice that all they're doing every day is talking to VPs of supply chain. So you're saying it increases your penetration with clients to have the team set up that way? I think you can get there faster. Okay. Let me talk to Michael Cox. He's saying if this guy's the partner of last week's guest, why not ask the agency owner questions that everybody wanted to hear last week? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I copied all the answers, the questions that they had, and I sent them to that guy, and I booked them for another show. I said, these are the questions. I'm going to let them ask you them next time. So Jerry and uh, Rebecca can ask all those questions when Jeff comes back. This time I'll ask my questions. Is it okay? And I keep saying, I know you're on the line. If you got a question you want to know, ask them. Speak up. Don't complain to me on Twitter, okay? Well, it's, it's yeah. one of my ways to complain. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Well, here you are. You, you yes, you can ask questions? all the questions you want, but you're, you're going to hear the same complaints at the end of the no, show. No, there's no after show. There's okay, no then you're not going to hear the complaints. Yeah, uh, that, that weasel who called in last week, I don't know if he's here this week anyway. <laughs> anyway, okay. So ask me a question. 
You want me to ask you a question? You said on your website that you're growing your dream of what a search firm should be. That sort of implies that you've never worked in a firm that was the way you think a firm should be. Am I right about that? No, I think that's I think that's too strong of a statement. I think I've had great firm experiences. I'm now doing it by myself. So it's just, that's just Jeff. the normal pap you read on every marketing, you know, and all marketing literature. The website says you're growing your dream of what a search firm should be. Uh, I don't know. It don't, says to don't me you that think, don't you think don't you think that I would understand what my dream is based on the positive, you know, the positive experiences and the negative experiences I've had with other firms. What negatives hey, do you want to ban? What negatives do you want to get rid of in your firm? Um, to avoid. We can move on if you don't like that question. You yeah, said no, you'd like I, to fight with me. I don't, I don't, you said you want to fight with me. I'm giving no, you No, I'm not trying to fight. Okay? No, I, I don't, I don't have, a, I don't have the specifics. <laughs> I don't have the specifics that I think you're looking for. I think what I want in the dream firm is I want a whole bunch of owners uh, that act like owners, that are practice leaders, that act like practice leaders, that make it their business to do great work, uh, and I'm in support of them. Uh, I want to do that. I want to remove the barriers that prevent people from being – unsuccessful uh and what and are the hard they? thing what are those barriers what are those barriers um people uh hey i'm growing i want to grow my team i need somebody else to join my team uh-huh. uh getting that solo recruiter that has a uh you know by nature a, a a selfish uh you know you want the hard charger you want the driver you want the ego that says i'm big billy badass uh, but then when they want someone to join their team, you've got to get them to flip it over to where, hey, if you want someone on your team, if they're just going to be your grunt doing all the stuff that you don't want to do, that's not going to be long-term successful for both of you. If, so you've got to have the mentality of my job is to help you, whoever is on my team. Got a story? I want to, help you, gr- I want to help you grow got your story? business. Got a story about it that won't put you in uh, hot water with anybody in your, in your firm right now? No, sure. Well, I'll talk about someone that I worked with in the past. Guy's okay. name is Brian. Uh, uh-huh. Here's a guy that uh, was selling cars, making $110,000 uh, a year. He was the top salesperson at his firm. Uh, and he started selling cars to a couple of my partners. And he's seeing these partners that are making all this money, and he's just like, okay, if this knucklehead can do it, I can do it. So he joined our firm. And he basically came and said, I want you to teach me how to do that. I want to make that kind of money, and I think I'm good enough to do it. His first 12 months in the business, every Saturday morning, he was doing insurance in the Northeast. This was before LinkedIn. He was doing insurance in the Northeast every Saturday morning from 6 a.m. until noon for a year. He called into these companies, his client companies or the, the target companies in his world, and he mined their voicemail systems and gathered all the names. And then the rest of the week, he spent calling and finding out who it was whether it's VP of underwriting, whether it's VP of claims, whether it's a secretary, okay? He figured out over the year who, who did what. The next year, so the first 12 months, he made 65 grand. The next 12 months, he made 250. Because you got to go in and you got to, this is market mastery. He knew everybody in the space, which now makes it easier for when they say, I need a VP of claims, he's able to go talk to all of the EP of claims because he's talked with them before. Now he's got something legitimate to talk with them about versus, hey, I'm in the industry. This is who I am. This is what I do. What do you do? He got a lot of people that just hung up on him. You're wasting my time. Next call and so on. So 
I don't know. Did that answer your question? No, but uh, I forgot what I asked you anyway, so don't worry about it. Yeah, I, uh, I saw that uh, Jeremy Roberts is announced that he's here, and he used to work for you, a uh, uh, pop of the past. Jeremy, hey, you Jeremy, how you doing? What's up, John? How are you, man? Man, I'm really good. Good, yeah. good to hear your voice. You got, yeah. a, got a tough question for him? Got a tough question for I him? I don't, man. I know, I know how this guy thinks. I learned a lot from him. So okay. I'm, I'm enjoying listening to you two together. So uh-huh. okay, I will great. say he's one of the, um, you know, one of the the more ethical, you know, he, he's got a very strong. What does that mean? That's what Jeremy. Line. That's and, one of the questions. That's one of the questions I'm going to ask. Uh, there's a Stacy Dawkins. I guess that's the Stacy you worked with. Uh, well, maybe it's yeah. not Stacy. It's it's Mike Krawucki or something like that. No. Probably yeah, Mike. Somebody said you you know you have uh, a lot of business ethics. You've got a lot of in- integrity. Uh, is that like is that not common? Jeremy is uh, honesty no, and integrity. No, it's not. I mean, I, is that a surprise to any of you guys? Yeah, it's not kind of. <laughs> well, do you I, agree with I that, think, John? Um, do you agree with Jeremy that you know integrity or honesty is is not common in the recruiting business? Uh, no, I think it's out there a lot, but I also think that there's a whole bunch of guys that are out there that are just trying to make a deal. Uh, and it's all about the transaction. You talked last week with Jeff about transactions and relationships, and, yeah. and you know, is, is it one or the other? It, it's, you know, the relationship doesn't happen unless you have the transaction. The, yeah. the, the relationship is allowed to happen and develop because you've got multiple transactions that are allowing you to be successful for the client and making the client's business better. Uh, because you found them those key people that you they know didn't I'm have. sleepy. You know I'm sleepy, and you're trying to confuse me with the transaction makes the relationship makes the transaction. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, you're supposed so, to remember are, stuff are that you talked about of, last week, dude. Come on. Uh, are there a lot of recruiters <laughs> who are dishonest? Okay, because this other guy says that uh, you don't oversell, which implies that the other recruiters he's spoken to oversell. Okay, do a lot of recruiters. Oversell. Micro Wiki says you don't oversell the job or the candidate. He's got to have a reason for saying that. I think the answer is, is as I'm going and talking with candidates and clients, yeah. regardless of which one, uh, I tell them, here's the reasons why I think this is a good fit for you. Now, as you go into those conversations, the interviews, here's the things that based on what you're telling me you're interested in, candidate, or the things that you're not interested in, here's some questions here's some reasons why you might not like this job. Explore that in the interview, and you're either going to feel comfortable or you're not. Mm-hmm. But okay. here's some so things answered, based on my information. A, uh, hold, on, hold on, please. You just answered – I didn't mean to be rude, okay? You just answered uh, – I'm out of control. You answered a, a question that I asked you 10 minutes ago because you just said you call somebody up and you'll say to them, I get a job that's really a good move for you. So you do that, right? I would do that if, based on what they've told me, they're looking for. Okay, you I wait. see a okay. fit. Okay, you, you you've surveyed what they want first. Okay, I, I missed it. Stacy Dawkins says you have an amazing ability to bring two parties together. Okay, the trust he earns allows him to bring together a client and candidate that should be together. How do you build trust? Just what I said. You're you're transparent in terms of hey, here's the things I like about this job for you, not for me, but for you. And here's the things that might not be a fit for you. Let's explore uh-huh. that, and you talk about it. Uh-huh. And I think uh-huh. that when you do that and you, you basically give someone and create the space where someone can say no and it's okay, uh-huh. it makes it easier for them to say yes. Okay, so you're not if a hard I'm a recruiter. Seller. 
yeah, if I'm a recruiter coming in doing the hard sell for someone, I'm just like, hey, man, I've got this great job. You need to want, you need to want this, and you need to like this. And they're just mm-hmm. like, you don't know jack about me. Yeah, okay? he's absolutely that person, right. The walls yeah. go up, and they're defensive, and they don't want to. They don't want to tell you how much money they make. They don't want to tell you that their kid has got special needs, and I, that's why relocation is the issue. Okay. Uh, if they don't trust you, you're not going to get that stuff. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, you 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 gave this Brandon Deshaw. Sorry, I, I thought it was a decent interview, so I want to refer back to it. You okay. gave him you gave him your your cold call script for recruiting. Essentially, it sounds like you leave voicemails. Am I right about that? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. And your script is, I, I call it a script, but standard line. I have a specific project dealing with X Y Z. I couldn't make out exactly what you said. Some with some position in the in the industry. If I have a specific project dealing with X Y Z, and I believe, based on your background, that you can help me. Please call me at this number or send me an email, and let's begin to communicate about the issue. Is that your voicemail? Uh, that's pretty close to it. Yeah. Now that's so bland. Uh, how do you book? What kind of return call you know rate do you get on on that? Well, I think it goes back to market mastery. If they're hearing from me on a regular basis, if they're seeing LinkedIn posts on a regular basis, if they're seeing uh, emails that I send on a regular basis, to where they know the types of positions that I'm working on and they're at their level or above where they want to go in their career, those are the voicemails where. Uh, those are the people I'm calling, and I'm just like, hey, I'm in the industry. This is what I do. And the first call, it's not as impactful. The tenth call, it's very impactful. It's like, all right, this guy's around. I'm going to pay attention. So now when I call and say, listen, dude, um, you know, I know we've not talked. I've seen your information. I'm looking at your profile on LinkedIn, and I think that there's an opportunity that you'd like to hear about. Give me a call. Let me steal two minutes, give you some details, and then we'll figure out where we go from there. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. Uh-huh. Why do you ask and they'll for choo- help? And they'll choose, to, they'll choose to call or not. How many times will you call back? Uh, back in the day when it was just me and Stacy, it was probably, you know, again, if I know they're a fit and I just need them to, to hear me, uh, I mean, it could be 10, ten times. Well, but would you leave here's voicemails a, here, 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 every here, time? Here, uh, whether it's a voicemail or an email or... Uh, calling the, the secretary uh, at, at a time where I know that the, the person's just left for a meeting and saying, hey, let me catch him on the road. What's his cell phone number? And pretending and acting like I deserve to have that information, and you get it a lot of times. And uh-huh. then you call the candidate on the phone, on his cell phone, uh, and this was you know, back in the day when not everybody had cell phones posted everywhere, and you get, you know, you get them all live on the phone. And they're just like, how did uh-huh. you get this number? Uh-huh. And you kind of joke through it. And it's like, I'm a recruiter. I know everything. Uh-huh. And you kind of laugh okay. it off, and but now you're talking. Okay. And so when the person calls you back, then what do you say? Because you're building trust. Uh, I want to understand your trust building uh, sure. process. Hey, here's who I am. Here's what I do. These are the kind of people that I recruit. Here's the specific position that I'm working on. Here's what the job is, and I spend very little time talking about job descriptions kind of stuff. And most of the conversation is the person that can do this job would want to do it because of here's the why. Here's why the person that can do the job is going to be interested. The boss is amazing. The, the company's growing really quickly. Here's this project. The last person just got promoted. Uh, the person before that just got, you know, all of whatever the sell is for the job. It's not a job description. But I give them a little bit of information in two minutes, 
and say, listen, I know that there's a ton more for us to talk about, but on the surface, is this something for us to pursue? Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. Okay, great. What's the kind of thing that you'd be interested in? Or what kind of positions do you have? Or, you know, who do you know that I should be talking to that can do this? Whether they're interested or, or not, I don't care. Who can do it? Who, can, who else can I network with? And the first time, second time, third time, maybe they're not responsive. But as I'm consistently showing up in the industry is I want to be an ongoing resource to those in my network. Let me know how I can help you. So you that's really think strategically, message. long long term, that's your that's your target, right? First time you call a guy, you don't really expect very much. Am I right about that? Uh, I hope, but no, I don't expect a lot. Okay. And, and you don't try to rebut people who say, no, I'm not interested in that, right? You don't try to talk them into reconsidering. Uh, I, I, the, the term I use is you want to stay in the game. I'm not interested. Okay, great. Tell me about your company. What's going on? How long have you been there? And I try and gain some information. And then there's the back and forth that goes on throughout that conversation trying to stay on. It's not to say that no one's hung up on me. I've been hung up on plenty of times. But you stay in the game and you break down the walls of, hey, I'm a recruiter trying to recruit them to something, and they don't want to be recruited. Hey, I've got this job. I'm not interested. Okay, tell me about what you're doing. How can I help you in the future? What are the kind of positions that would be attractive to you? And then they start talking about the kind of positions that would be attractive to them. I give myself a little bit of opportunity to earn some trust. And then I'm able to say, you know what, maybe I screwed up in how I positioned this opportunity on the front side. Based on what you're telling me, I really think that this could be a fit. Let's pursue it and let's talk about it a little bit more. Let me give you some more information because maybe I did it wrong. Fall on what your the, sword and then uh, – go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I, I'm interested in what you're saying. It's, it's, it's great. No, it's, well, so you, know, you fall on your sword and you're just like, hey, man, sorry, I screwed up. I didn't say that right. Here's why, based on what you're telling me, I think that you fit this job. Let's explore it some more. Mm-hmm. Okay. What if the first thing they say is, how much? Said, is it all about money? Say, okay, well, yeah, money, money's going to be on the list, no doubt. My guess inside the box, and realize there's always outside the box, but inside the box is I expect the base salary to be 1 to 120. You got a target bonus of 20%. There's all the benefits and stuff like that. But I've also seen this client, again, market mastery. If I've made a bunch of placements with that client, I know what, what kind of wiggle room I've got. Uh-huh. And I try and stay in the game. But if the guy's making two hundred, and the job is a one twenty job, he's not he's not hireable. He might okay, be interested. But, he might be qualified, but he's not hireable. Okay, but so you'll, an, you'll 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 answer his question about money right away. You don't try to deflect it. Say, look, you know, money's important, but it's not the most important thing to discuss first. You don't you don't say that and, and try to push it back till later on. Am I right about that? Um, I, I uh, depending on the situation. Uh, yes, I would try and push it back, but I am going to give the answer probably in that call. It may uh-huh. not be within the first 10 seconds. I'm really going to try not to do that uh, because I, I, I really do feel if you give too much information, uh, it makes it easy for the candidate to self-select themselves out. Mm-hmm. Okay, I kind of like the way you were, say, you, were, you were saying fall on your sword, be open, and talking about money when they want to talk about money rather than coming across as a salesman and say, putting that aside, I want to talk to you about what I want to talk about. I find those two things maybe contradict each other a bit. You know what I'm saying? We contradict each other all the time. Uh, Not I mean, me. in our business. Okay. You're, you're, you're contradicting yourself. I like your principle of give him what he wants. Don't fight with him. And now you're saying kind of, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll put the, I, he wants to know about money. I don't want to tell him about money right away. So you've got a, 
uh, a bit of friction between the two of you that is not going to well, build okay, trust. Well, okay, so I so I may, I may have one client that I know that the money sucks. Uh-huh. So I've got to sell the job more, or the location more, or something else. And if I just if I lead off with bad money, I know mm-hmm. that I'm going to lose my candidate. Okay. Mm-hmm. But well, on the, the other then side, you could if, just move into you can move into the other. Then you move into your gear. Like, okay, well, what's going to interest you? You told me that's your next move, right? That's true. Uh-huh. Okay, then you go to referrals. Let's say you, you, you told us how you asked for them. I don't know anybody. What do you do? Just say, okay, or do you say, look, I know you do? Um, you know, I would say uh, if I say, okay, I would then go to something else with the intention of trying to gain some other information to then come back to, hey, how many people are on your team? Who's the person that just most recently left your organization? Did you know that they were looking before they left? Okay, is there anybody else that you know that could do this job, whether they're interested or not? And, you know, so I'll try again. And there's just there's all sorts of different ways that you come about it. And it's, you know, there there's all these tricks and 20 years of doing it, I've, you know, there's some tricks. And No, no, well, you just saw, you know, I like the way uh, you, you, I like the way you try to, you're talking about being open. Now you're telling a, a few more subtle moves, I, I guess. But at the beginning, you're just incredibly just straight with the person, right? You don't, you don't try to manipulate them at all. Maybe that's what people are talking about when they say you've got integrity and that's how you're building trust. Am I right about that? I would agree with that. Okay. Now, have you ever liked somebody on paper and rejected them after you meet them? Do you meet with people very often? Um, when I was doing local Dallas real estate, I met a lot uh-huh. of candidates. And, uh, uh, you know, yeah, you're always looking for fit uh, with candidate and client and stuff like that. Um, uh, rarely did I blow somebody out of the water because they didn't they didn't look right uh you know it's happened Uh, i had a physician that i was trying to place in uh, internal medicine doc in texarkana and i met the guy on the plane uh, or you know i i I met him at uh in dallas uh, coming off the plane and i mean he just looked ridiculous uh you know he had a toupee that was flopping all over the place and uh i mean it just it wasn't going to be a fit and you know you call the client and you say listen here's what's coming i'm sorry uh, I screened him. His credentials were great, but he's socially awkward. He's, you know, whatever. Uh, and you tell him, it's like, you know, I'm sorry. That's all you can say. We didn't have Skype. We didn't have Skype back then. Uh-huh. Our, sorry, our Mike. Our toupee is a protected class now. Uh-huh. That toupee okay. is a protected class? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Did you know? How did you reject the? How did you reject the uh, candidate? Did you? I, I was. What you were talking uh, just a minute ago. That's what you told the client. Am I right about that, or did you tell the candidate? I that? said, hey. I said, uh, I said, client. Um, the candidate's on his way. His credentials are great. He might be a super yeah. fit for you. I don't know that uh, the the presentation is going to be what you want. Uh huh. And, and they talked with the candidate, and it wasn't, and it didn't work out. And so, uh, what, did you you know, say, what did you say to the candidate after that? It didn't work out. I'm sorry, it wasn't the right fit. Let's move on to the next opportunity. And okay, I didn't represent gonna... the can. I did. I didn't represent the candidate again. Okay, but you're not going to tell them exactly. You're, you know, you're too bay sloppy, and you know, you're poorly dressed and stuff like that. You didn't tell them any of that stuff. No, I didn't. Okay. Okay. You know, you know. How long gonna... ago was that? Say that again. How long ago was that? This was probably '95 or '96. Okay. What are you doing these days? Of the past uh, few years, what are you focused on? Do you still run a full desk? No, I don't. No, all all of my efforts right now is is focused on on growing the company and 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 practice development and you know 
dealing with the wonderful egos that are that are all over this place, which are which is what you want to have. Uh, but uh, uh, it's uh, herding cats, man. How large really? is your office in Dallas? What do we have in here? Fifty. I'm guessing. Why did you? Uh, just curious. Why did you um, make the move to merge with Mac? Okay. No, that's a great question. Um, I uh, so I was with K Bassman for a bunch of years. Uh, left K Bassman in 2010. Was uh, was doing some real estate. So that was my night job. Uh, so I went to focus on that, and I you know I did something out of the industry, um, and then. Uh, came back into the industry, started my own firm, and I was at my house by myself. And, uh, you know, you do that once and you realize I need people. Uh, I was finding every reason on the planet to not work. Uh, and, I, you know, Jeff lives in the neighborhood with me. Uh, you know, his kid, my kid are friends. Uh, we've known each other for, you know, 10 years or so. And we kept bumping into each other at Starbucks and, uh, and uh, you know, the car wash and, and there just was an opportunity for us to do a, a deal together, and we started working together a little bit in 2011, and, and partnered up officially in, in, in 2012. Let me ask you a question, Mike. Let's grow Mike something was, bigger and better. Let me, Mike. Mike can still continue, but you sound like a very disciplined, professional person. How come you couldn't work on your own well? Okay, maybe that's not a good question. Okay. I, you know, I, I don't know. I just I, I couldn't do it. That's, that was surprising to me. Mike, do you have any more questions? Mike is the director no, I, of recruiting. I'm, I'm more, I'm, I was more interested in what he's doing now, what are the challenges that he's facing. Uh, well, what about <clears throat> what did he ask him? He said he herds cats, controls egos. Do you have a story that you could explain what that means? Um, <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, no, I don't. No, not, not on the top of my head, no, I don't. I, well, what would you say the most important thing to contribute to growth has been for you? Uh, it's the whole mentality as an owner of the company that my, you know, no one works for me. I work for them. That's the mentality. You know, Grant, when you've got a brand new recruiter that doesn't know how to, to be a recruiter, yeah, in the beginning they work with you because they're, you're telling them and you're teaching them how to do it well. Once they've got it and they do, they're doing it well, you absolutely as an owner of a firm have to flip the switch that says, okay, you're no longer working for me. I'm working for you. So if, can you if, give uh, examples if, of things that you do that are that are you know after you flip that switch? What are some of the barriers that you're removing? Um, how is it that you serve the the recruiter? What what value are you bringing now? Yeah, no, and 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 that's the that that's the right question to ask as an owner because think about if if our commission scale is fifty percent and someone's making you know generating three hundred thousand dollars in revenue. They're paying me 150 grand for the privilege of working here. Think about it when they're at 600. Okay, so from that perspective, I've got to I've got to earn it. So it's, uh, you know, yes, it's all the back office stuff that makes it easy for the producer to focus on candidate and client conversations. The other things about training the team and recruiting the team that's going to work with them, the uh, the business development trips, going with them to a business development trip when you know, they, they may be good at it, but I promise you two people are better than one in a business development face-to-face meeting. It also Why? gives credibility. Why? What, what uh, do you mean by that? I think it's better. Uh, not to say that you can't do it by yourself. I did a lot of them by myself. If, uh, if when I was just beginning to build my practice, if, if the owner of my company had been with me, 
I think that that would have been beneficial. Not to say that I wasn't successful by myself. Okay, but, but it's the it fact that it's better. the owner, not just another person to share the responsibility and keep the conversation going. Is that the key? Um, uh, again, well, I think we an do owner the same is, thing I think an owner is best. Yeah. Go ahead. We, we do the same thing with uh, new refs or, or people that have been here for five or six years. Um, sometimes it's just nice having an extra set of eyes to – you know, in our in our field, to see what kind of equipment they have, software that they're using, um, while one of the individuals is leading the conversation at that particular moment. Yeah, I think it I think it makes it easier for credibility, and with credibility comes trust. Okay. How many of your uh, recruiters, I guess, that are in your section of the business are at that level? You know, you're talking about three you know, three hundred thousand, six hundred thousand. I'm curious as to the makeup of the of the uh, I guess average recruiter. How, how many? What would you call average biller uh, within your organization, and, and how many? People you thinking are of going there? outside, Mike? Let me ask him. There's no time. <laughs> Let me ask the last question, okay? Because right. he can come back again too. I like these guys, but uh, and and you know what? I always make a mistake about asking people th- about their marketing stuff. I'm interested, but it doesn't get a good response. It's the, the stuff that's on a LinkedIn their recommendations, but there's a guy named Greg Savage. He's in Australia. He's a very famous guy down there. He says, our business is no longer all about sales. It's about marketing. That means branding, SEO, CRM, social, automated, and digital engagement. Recruiters should invest more in time in marketing, including branding and social activity, than they do in old-school, hardcore sales. Do you agree with that? I don't. No, that does you that want- doesn't mean that brand. Uh, so I'll, I'll answer you this way, uh, and and Jeff said it last week. You got to talk to people. Conversation is where it's at. Now, good, better, best is something that I use. You know, if you've got a, an exchange or a conversation going on via email, text, or LinkedIn or Twitter or something like that. Okay, fine, that's good. You can make a placement. Liz uh, in our office made a placement two weeks ago. First time she talked with the candidate was when she extended the offer. All of the other communication was via text. So it can happen, but I think better is on the phone. Best is face to face. That's uh-huh. where you've got the ability to read the the subtle. Uh, you know, uh, they they responded one way, and that made you ask a different question. And can I response. interrupt and qualify something? Can had I? She qualify, worked, uh, had she worked with this person before? And that's why she was able to do that via text, or did she open the relationship via text messaging? Um, uh, I don't think that she had talked. With, uh, she, I don't think that she had worked with him before. Now I, I don't know. I don't wow. know where in terms of was the the. That's the, a good maybe story. The first, I mean, maybe yeah. the, that's a good that's a good question. Maybe the first question, and I just I don't know the answer. Maybe the first conversation was the initial conversation, and then the it progressed, and all the details and all of the the driving of, of the process happened via text. So maybe she talked with him twice. So maybe I missed. She's worked with him, you know, two that. years ago. I've done that. I've, I've, you know, yeah. I'll text somebody who I worked with or I placed with, and I say, "Give me your resume right now." And yeah. we do everything via text. We don't need to talk. Yeah. In in that situation with Liz, I don't think that that's what happened. But it, you know, it, it certainly could have. Okay, let me just switch back to finish off with Greg. And there's another guy, uh, Kevin Wheeler. I don't know if you've heard about him. He he talks in this vein as well. Greg is saying, he says, we're looking to build inbound client inquiries generated via digital engagement. However, most recruiters are still approaching client development 1999 style, 
with cold calling and mass mailing. And then Kevin Wheeler says over 80% of the skills that made a recruiter successful in 2010, just five years ago, were of less value today. For example, interviewing skills, traditional search, and reviewing and screening of resumes, they're not critical skills. Ability to build an online relationship, to create a social network, or enhance an employment brand, or more useful skills. Are, are you into this kind of marketing orientation? Yeah, no, no, I, I'm hearing what you're saying, and I think, yes, you want to do all of those things because the tools and the resources are out there, but it's absolutely, in my opinion, supplemental. I am not going to build my business and count on the revenue that I need to come in by somebody calling in with a job order. Uh, yes, I'll take it when it happens, but I'm going to be very proactive and still do the, the old school recruiting of picking up the phone and calling and talking to clients saying, I'm the guy that can help you fill this position. Let me. I, all I okay. gotta say is you can you can make a living doing exactly what was taught by MRI in 1985. You can make mm. a living doing exactly that and nothing more. If you just sit there and advertise jobs, you won't make a living. So yeah. I think that what Kevin and them are saying, I agree with a lot of what Kevin says. If you're with a large corporation, you need to be doing you need to work on your inbound marketing. But as a as a Third-party search professional, you can make a living without a computer. You cannot do that the other way around. There's no way. Okay. And on that happy note, we got to end. And I like John? technology. And I, and I yeah. like technology. So. John, maybe you'd like to come back sometime, but I'm out of time now. Thanks for coming No, that on. sounds good. I'd love to. Anytime. Okay. Bye-bye. Ah!